Crowley Insurance. Hi, speak to Mike, please. Yeah, just a minute, please. This is Mike Crowley. Can I help you? Mike, this is Joey Jingola. Joey, how are you? Good. How are you doing, sir? Good. This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. Oh, absolutely. If I can get to the point in our agency, it's tough that the way my grandfather ran the business, the way my dad ran the business, they were the type that were in the office for the eight hours. Like they were here for the clients to walk in and sit with at all times. So when I started, it's like I followed that way. And and as much as people love that, it does not leave you time to actually work on the business do some of these things it's where it's like i need to go hide i shut my door half the time and i'm like all right when i my door is shut it's like i'm not here the way they used to do it isn't all that bad we just need to figure out how to do it today that was my good buddy mike crowley at crowley insurance in east syracuse new york and man me and mike have quite a bit in common um third generation agents uh, worked for our dad and our uncle. I think he just have one uncle and I have two uncles. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot that me and Mike kind of can get along with. And yes, right? So I've said this for a while. You know, it sucks um, trying to bridge this gap, this digital divide, I believe, as Ryan once called it. Uh, it's not a fun thing because, you know, one, there's just a difference of doing business and there's just... Uh, you know, different stages of careers. And it seems to be just something that continues shockingly, alarmingly, and very concerningly over and over again, no matter where you are in the country, probably the world, um, to where, you know, the previous regime or current regime in power Uh, hits a certain point where they're comfortable with what they have. They really don't want to take risk uh, with it. They don't want to put, you know, what they have at risk, the money that is currently coming in from it. And there's a younger generation of whippersnappers who, whippersnappers, uh, who are coming up wanting to get more, right? They want to do their thing. They want to do it the way that they think they can and possibly know how. And rarely ever, rarely do those two things go hand in hand. And it leads to a lot of, you know, well, I guess we should probably consider doing some type of a Judge Judy show for family insurance agencies, right? I think that'd be, I think if we were going to have a daytime TV, you really should be doing something else with your life I, to be able to watch it at that time show. Um, that would be it, right? Yeah, Judge Judy type esque show. That sounds like fun. Who's gonna produce that? I might go in with you uh, if we could do like like a perpetuation court with uh, I don't know. I'll I'll be the presiding judge. Sure, that sounds like a good time for me. I'm kidding, but seriously. So, all right. Now that that's out of the way, more importantly, if we want to just slightly want to focus on the positives here. Um, Yes, yeah, so Mike's dad and his uncle, they were always in the office ready and willing to sit down and meet with whoever might come walking through that door. Now that's a way to do business. I don't even know if it was necessarily the way to do business when they were doing business, but it is what it is, right? 
there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's what is that, right? Let's let's actually take a look at what they were doing business the way that it needed to be done in some capacity when they were in their prime doing it. Okay, it's not a bad thing. What does it look like today? It's availability, right? It's I'm going to give people the most convenient access to me when they need it, when they want it, so on and so forth, right? That access has just changed. The concept is still the same, right? That's the, this is where I've been saying, again, I said, I think I started at the beginning, said I've been saying this for years and I don't think I actually said what I've been saying for years. Awesome job. Uh, we really just need to translate the things that that old guard, the previous regime, the the whatever, we just need to translate what they did, understanding the concept behind it, and then try to apply it with the tools and technology that we have today. That's always been something that has fascinated me beyond, you know, I don't know really what, but it's always fascinated me, right? It's just been something that I don't think we try hard enough at because again, a very simple example like this, always in the office, all the time, ready to shake hands, kiss as many babies as possible, and just be there to greet people, right? How do you do that now? Well, I mean, one, it's just availability. So, you know, it's not it's not you sitting by your phone at 7.30 at night, hoping, waiting for somebody to call, you know, listening to a Lionel Richie album. I'm not entirely sure, right? I don't know what that looks like, but that's probably not it. Um, it could possibly, maybe, just maybe be, you know, I say this a lot and I feel like I don't, I, I'm pretty sure that this doesn't fix all these problems, but it feels like it does when I'm saying it. So forgive me, but here it is online scheduling, you know, right? I mean, that's, that's the new always available thing, right? It's, Hey, here's this, here's my thing. And, um, and you can tell me when I need to be ready for you. That's what that is, right? That's the same thing of just, I mean, I kind of feel like I have this image of Mike's uncle and dad just kind of sitting in lawn chairs in like the, the lobby of their office. I feel like that's, I feel like that would be awesome, right? Just kind of sitting in lawn chairs with like a little umbrella drink, just waiting for people to come in. That feels, that feels like a fun thing to do. Um, somebody do that, right? Somebody sit in a lawn chair in their lobby with an umbrella drink and send me a picture. Uh, tweet at me, Joey Jingola at Joey Jingola on Twitter. I think that would be fun. Um, no, but so that's what that is, right? This is going way too long. I think it's the longest opening I've ever done. All right, I'm going to get done. I'm going to get off this. I promise this is ridiculous. But when we, when we start talking about umbrella drinks, you know, it's just gone off the rails. So when that happens, right? When umbrella drinks start showing up in the office, it's probably time for somebody to go. Oh, yeah. It's to the point where we're in meetings and he'll be like, I don't want to do this. And I go, I don't care. Like... <laughs> Like, this isn't about you now. You're, you're in coast mode, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, and because you might get a kick out of this. I mean, so it was my father and my uncle until March of last year. And it was to the point, it was starting to get ugly. And I basically had to say, hey, one of you will have to retire now and start this process. You guys can hang here all you want, but that's not good for the business. And because of that, it's bad. And, and I, would, I might leave because of that. Like, and they both kind of looked and were like, all right, well, you got to go first. (laughs) Today on Perpetuation Court, Mike Crowley threatens to leave his family's agency if his dad or his uncle doesn't walk away first. 
I'm kidding. All right, fine. Yeah, but that sounds that could be right. That's totally a show. Totally a show, right? You're gonna watch it. I know. All right. Someone has to go. So I. So this is first off. I give Mike a lot of credit, right? This is like probably one of the hardest conversations that you really can have, like period ever, um, because you know it's all about just being aware of of where you are, where they are, and who wants to do what when. And being able to say, hey, listen, this isn't this isn't really working, right? Uh, Mike's like, man, I might leave. It's so bad. This is just we're not doing the things, right? We're not um, we're not we're not making it happen. And you're forcing their hand now. Obviously, again, having some sort of formal written fancy word perpetuation. I really don't. I don't as much as I want to make the show perpetuation card. I really don't like that word to define. I don't. I. I, I I feel like we're the only industry in the world that makes up this thing. Like maybe because it's so heavily family focused and, and uh, maybe that's where the downside of the familyness comes into play is just when we're actually trying to give up the thing and hand it over to the, you know, the kid, the younger generation. I mean, maybe we need it. Maybe we don't. I do feel like, I do feel like it sometimes is a little overblown. I feel like we treat it like, with kid gloves, right? I feel like we're a little too, I mean, I've, all right, let's put it this way. I mean, every day you, you know, every day that you've been in the agency is another day that has prepared you to do the thing full time, right? I don't think that there's necessarily a formal, like your ascension to the throne sort of situation. I don't think that that's really what we need. I think really more than anything, again, maybe we just, maybe we just have my show. Maybe that happens with perpetuation court. Maybe that is how we settle everything moving forward. It's just, listen, is it time for you to give it up or not? And that's just the question that we ask. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the problem, right? Maybe that's why we have it because, uh, you know, you've worked so hard, you've built it up through, you know, one, two, three, four, maybe five generations and letting go of it. Although you think if you've done it, you know, for five generations, you think you might be a little bit good at it now is, you know, the second and third, they haven't had as many opportunities to not screw that up, but who knows? I'm not going to judge, do what you got to do. Um, but whatever it is, right. It's just the fact that, you've worked so hard to create this thing and you want to make sure that it lives on. It's somewhat your legacy, right? It's, it becomes part of who you are and you don't want it to feel like it was for nothing and making sure that it is whatever. And then I could argue that, you know, the whole coasting mode and doing the things and protecting it and just kind of, uh, you know, smothering it to death is actually going to do the thing that you feared most of happening. And for every person elderly statesmen out there listening to this potentially just know that you're probably increasing your chances of snuffing out the thing that you do love near and dear most. Um, if you are continuing to just say, I don't want to do that. We don't need to do that. That's too risky. I kind of like my book of business the way it is. Uh, why do I want to take a chance on that? Those are all good signs that you're just kind of squeezing the life out of what's left and you're not, you, you've forgotten how to take risks. You've forgotten how to identify trends, see what's coming, you know, take a bet on what's next. And I don't know that I have an answer how to, how to help that again. Now, Mike, I think being a New Yorker helps and Mike just constantly sounds like he's angry, even though he's like one of the nicest dudes I've met. Uh, it's just, he just his natural kind of um, disposition, if you will. And I can appreciate that. Um, for, you know, somebody who always sounds like he's half asleep. I get that a lot. 
it's it's a tough thing to do, right? Because if if you can't or won't make those decisions, if you can't put yourself in a place to make the agency better, then you won't keep moving. They were they were in they were in just total coast mode, oh, and gotcha. so as I as I was growing the business and doing different things, they yeah they weren't deciding to work any harder, and they wanted to continue to work less. But yeah. that also means they weren't hiring new people. They didn't want to get into that. They didn't want to pay for that. They didn't want to do all these different things. And it's like you know, guys, that's that's great and all, but we need to keep moving here. And so here's the thing, right? This is the interesting thing is that. Just the sheer fact of even if you are working the same or maybe a little less and you're just kind of put a freeze on all new innovation and activity, just the opportunity cost that you're kind of standing in the way of is, you know, in some cases, in some agencies, insurmountable because just your sheer presence in the agency, it's like signing a free agent that's just kind of mediocre or is hurt and doesn't play that often to a big contract. Well, it doesn't matter that they're not playing. You're still paying them a lot of money to sit on the bench and do nothing, right? And that's where, you know, you've got to realize when you get to that point. And I was talking to, um, this was part of, I I probably should look to dig some of this out from my my trip to Zinc Insurance and Seth Zaremba. And I was, you know, asking him, I don't know, we got on the conversation somehow about, you know, how many more years he has left, what's he going to do? Um, And, um, you know, Seth is probably, I think, about maybe 10 years older than me, give or take, somewhere in that scenario, 10 to 12. I can't remember exactly how old. But anyways, yeah, I think he said he wanted like he had like 12 or 13 more years and he wanted to go until he was 60. And he somehow just kind of based on his observations of mentors and people in the business that he's followed, it seems like that's the age where things start to taper off. And that's when you kind of start to lose your focus, your ambition, your will, your desire, your life to live and all that good stuff. It's probably a little too much, but I think you get what I'm saying. And I was like, wow, really 60? That feels kind of young. I don't really know that I'm going to be out of the game at 60. I kind of feel like I'm going to be doing something, you know, something for, well, forever. I mean, for here's the thing, right? I read this. Well, I didn't read. I actually listened to a podcast about somebody who wrote the book because that's about as close as I'm going to get to reading because, again, I don't read. It's the thing I hate most about myself, but we're going to deal with it, uh, called Blue Zones. There's some fancy subtitle to it. But anyways, just a quick note for any of you. I, this is really, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not making a good case for everything that I just said for the last 14 minutes. But hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, the reason that I was kind of wanting to stay in the game is because actually um, there is no, so the Japanese, they don't have a word for retirement, right? And this is actually like proven in like, the, so blue zones first, what are blue zones? Uh, they're like seven or eight pockets around the world where people live to be the longest, like over 100, 120, I think, uh, 110, 120 uh, centurions, I think is the fancy word. Um, and one of the things among many that they do for this longevity is that they really never stop working per se, right? There was like a, a heart surgeon who was 98 or something, closing in a hundred, still doing, you know, however many, a lot of surgeries a day. And it's back to the purpose, right? We need a reason to do something. And once we stop working, once we retire, we're just basically 
kind of waiting to die. That's a little extreme. I'm sorry, I don't want to get that dark. Uh, anyways, I don't know how we got here. This this show has been very up and down. Um, but so that's the reason that I'm kind of always like, well, I'm going to be doing something. And now here's the thing, right? Whether that's working in your agency or not, that's the key. And I think at some point, maybe it is 60, right? Um, you know, maybe it's 65. I don't know what it is. I'm sure most agencies out there, it's like 65, 66 when the, you know, the Medicare, Social Security benefits, you know, kind of fully kick in and, hey, we don't want to leave you hanging high and dry. We can at least do that for you. Maybe that's it. But man, if it's, if it's really 60 and you're, you're hanging on for, you know, till 66, that's a long time, right? That's the difference between, you know, uh, being 40 and taking over the agency and being 46, right? I mean, 46, you're closing on your back nine at that point in time and to really actually then, you know, get any traction momentum if it is indeed 60 where you start to maybe look for, you know, that, that green pasture somewhere for something else. Well, that's a little dicey, right? So now here's the thing, right? Here's the, here's the, okay, maybe you don't sell insurance, you know, forever. Maybe you go do something else, right? Maybe you go do the thing that you maybe want to do before you found your way into insurance because of any other career. We know that insurance is probably the highest per capita of, boy, I really did not ever want to come close to this industry, but man, I could not get out of it to save my life. And I actually kind of secretly like it in some kind of, you know, torturous way. It is my thing, right? Maybe there is that thing that you always wanted to do. Maybe that's it. But uh, real, real quick, that's so blue zones. Retirement is actually not a thing. We probably shouldn't do it. There's, you know, we got to keep a, a sense of purpose. Anyways, uh, read the book if you want. There's probably more information that I didn't know or get because I didn't read it. Uh, but, um, you know, again, the gist of it, I think I understand. And so that's all part of the who really needs to go first, right? And, you know, there's nothing to say that if you can't, like Mike says, work out an arrangement to where, well, hey, guess what? You guys can hang out here as long as you want. But, you know, I don't know that I, you know, we're going to be paying you the same amount of money because you don't want to do the same amount of work or the amount of work that is necessary for somebody clogging up that much room on the salary cap to just kind of be mailing it in. And we don't need to be mailing it in. We need to be mailing it out a lot and often not not like actually mailing because I mean, who does direct? You can do some direct mail if you want, just a little bit, but you know, be really clever and creative about it if you could, please. Uh, We just need more of a lot of other things that you aren't really all that interested in. That's not a bad thing. We think that's a bad thing, but is it really? I mean, just step out of the way, right? Just step to the side, let it happen. You don't need to hold on to it. Let it happen. If you want to watch, watch. If you don't, close your eyes. You can peek through the cracks of your fingers if you want. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but just kind of shimmy on over. Let the kids have the reins if you're ready and see what happens, right? I don't think they're going to screw it up too much because guess what? That's all they know. That's all they've done. And they don't want to screw it up any more than you do. I think this is, I think, I feel like this is a problem that most guys have. I don't know, I feel like this is a guy thing, right? I feel like, I don't, I feel like this situation is never really reversed. I don't know, at least it's never reversed in my life, but you tell me if I'm wrong. Have you ever gotten that shopping list from your, your better half, your significant other? And you just look at it and you're like, it's just the most random stuff that you never realized existed in the store you were going to and you have to dispense so much mental energy 
trying to figure out where you might find these things, these items, because normally you get your standard list, you're pretty sure where to go, it's kind of in and out, you don't have to dedicate too much effort or energy to making sure you don't forget anything, and all of a sudden you got this list from God knows where with all these ridiculous things on it that you're just, I mean, it literally doubles or triples the time that you're spending figuring out how to achieve all of this in one trip. It feels like you need two or three trips to the store to actually make this thing happen. That's how unfair this list is. I got one of those lists the other day, mostly because it's, it was my daughter's birthday, fifth birthday party, and that's always, uh, it's always like a code freaking red, uh, you know, getting ready for those things of what's not ready, who needs this. I mean, I'm talking like construction paper, clear plastic gift bag things. I mean, just eye candy decoration. Like, I just, I don't even know that these sections exist in the stores. Uh, and it's just like, really, this is, I don't feel, I feel like it probably would have been better if you were to just done this because, especially if you're going to like a store like Walmart, I mean, where if you mess up, it's like five minutes to recoup because you found yourself on like the other side of eternity and getting back to, to where you need to be feels just like a, a daunting task that really just wants to kind of give up. You got to make sure you have like a canteen because you know, it's just that it's ridiculous, right? Also to quick side note, I've found this to be true, right? If you've ever been in like a, an adjacent town from where you're at and you're thinking, oh, maybe I'm just going to stop at this Walmart or this Target or your name, your store of choice. Those are the two that I end up at the most because they're just right in town. But you decide, hey, I'm going to stop at this one. Terrible idea. Probably the worst thing that you can do because guess what? It's different. It's different. And you just, you don't know where everything is. You're walking around like you're disoriented, like you just drop some LSD or something. And it's just like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. You just, you know, you start to sweat. You get a little panic attack. Just don't do it. So I'm curious, do these do these lists happen to you in your life or is this just me? Because I tell you that, I mean, I normally, normally it's just like one or two things that I have to go searching for and try really hard not to forget because forgetting is, is not a fun experience. Uh, but I got like the whole list was that. And I'm like, this is not my day. And I'm curious, joey at agencynation.com. What is your, like, what is your brown construction paper, right? I mean, I guess I found, you know, actually, first off, I, Walmart doesn't sell, sell just like you know packs of brown construction. That's the other thing too, right? Just a quick thing. Asking for like an item that doesn't actually exist, that's always fun too. They don't sell brown construction paper. So you have to buy the assorted packs. They have blue, white, black, red, maybe yellow, I don't know. Anyways, what is your brown construction paper? Joey at agencynation.com.